Blog Talk Radio. This is Susan Swanbeck, CEO of the ATU Network. This work is protected by Creative Commons licensing. For the next two fun-filled hours, get ready to learn something new, be inspired, enlightened, spooked, helped, laugh, cry, and be awakened. And now, your host of Awakening the Unknown. You never know what these two will be up to next. So please welcome Susan Swanbeck. And hey, hi there, hello there, everyone, and how are you tonight? We have the most fantastic show. Uh, I will go over to Facebook soon, guys, and I will share the, I'll share the YouTube link uh, that we have because Facebook is going nuts today. So, um, But I will share the link over. You guys might have to watch. We've got callers on the line already. I mean, we have such a wonderful person, and I have to say thank you, Kaden and Alyssa for sending her over. And um, I reached out to her, and literally, without further, further ado, I'm going to let you explain everything that this woman has ever done, but I have to say I am very blessed to have her on my show tonight. So without further ado, guys, I want you all to welcome Mary Dusena, or Dusane. I know I pronounced that wrong. <laughs> it's Dusena, Mary Dusena. <laughs> Dusena. All right. See, and I asked her how to pronounce it before the show, and of course, yep, that's what happens. So, but, oh, my God, you have a lifetime of history and things that you've done and Literally, how did all this start? I mean, I'm sure they want readings, they want visions, they want this. I want to know about you. I want to know how all this started for you. First off, thank you. I do fly by the frequencies of gratitude. And so I just want to first acknowledge the mask, the beautiful couple. And I thank you for that. And I want to thank Spirit for imbuing us, protecting us, and connecting us because Gratitude Sorry is the type a of... second. There we go. Sorry about that. Sorry. I was trying to get to the YouTube video to share to Facebook. I'm sorry. Go ahead, honey. That's okay. Gratitude is a... Thankfulness and gratitude is a very powerful healing frequency. So whenever we've had that challenging year or that breakup or that death of something, be it a job, a person, an animal... It's, it's a challenge. It's a challenge to move quickly into gratitude, and we're all allowed to feel our feelings. But I've, I came into this life in these beautiful ancient mountains of, of Tennessee in the beautiful Smoky Appalachian Range and was very blessed to be able to have into my ancestry and my beautiful elders, both of the Italian area towards Switzerland and also the beautiful, beautiful Cherokee First Nations people. So I'm very blessed. I, I love the mountains and I've lived a lot of other places, but I love the mountains and I feel that my overarching spirituality came alive for me being born on Halloween night when I was able to find 
my ceremonial circles and my First Nations medicine men, mainly medicine men that I studied with over the decades, Susan. And so it was, for me, I came home in my late teens and 20s when I dove in to the, the medicine, to the medicine teachings and the medicine wheel. But at five, when I was at my outside on a beautiful summer night, midsummer time, I remember laying on the concrete driveway, and it was safe because we had a mile of woods behind us and a five-acre fenced front yard. And I was laying out there on the, just laying on the concrete like little kids in the mountains will do. And yeah. I remember my mom was looking for me, as moms will do, like, where is she? Because <laughs> I always wanted to be outside. And she goes, what are you doing? And astonishing to me now, but then it was just off the cuff, matter of fact. And I said, I'm trying to figure out how to get back home. Huh. And she's like, okay. What are you doing? What are you looking at? And I said, I'm looking at the stars. I said, I'm trying to figure out how to get back home. You have five-year-olds to splurt things out. And she's like, yeah, like parents, terrestrial parents would do. She goes, okay, I'm your mom. You have a dad in there watching TV. This is your home. This is where you live. This is, you know, real tandem and practical and all that. And I'm like, oh, no, not that. Home. Kind of like E.T. You know, I just point up in the air and she goes, okay, honey, come on in now. Yeah, yeah, it's t- it's time to take a bath and go to bed. Okay, come on. <laughs> so, so then fast forward, I I just as kids will do, I guess you would call it assume. I had a sense that everyone saw things, knew things, and I learned very quickly that I had a, a gift of that we all do, I believe. But I had seemed to have a very pronounced gift of being able to see right into the core of beings. Now, it was automatic, fantastic every time with wild animals. I wasn't that little girl that looked at a snake and got scared or a spider. I mean, it was like, oh, hi, spider. Oh, okay, I'll get out of your way. And, oh, what a pretty way. You know, just, you know, conversation (laughs) with the creatures. And the trees. I mean, I could see energies in the core of the trees, and I would just sit down with the – of course, that was very woo-woo then. But now yeah. people are like, oh, yes, go hug a tree and go sit next to a tree and feel it light up the back of your chakras. I mean, all that's very, you know, metaphysically standard, right? But no, it right. wasn't then. So anyway, it was nature. I truly felt at home with my mother nature. I mean, I got it. But when I heard the words in my late teens, when I started hearing the language of the River of Stars, the Dream Lodge, Grandmother Moon, Mother Earth, Father Sky grandfather son i'm like i'm home and then the drum you know then when i went to drumming circles and i wasn't too fond of an eps i wasn't too fond of the sweat lodges because those get really hot in florida (laughs) so it's like no i want to go to a sweat lodge in the dead of winter somewhere where there's snow on the ground so although i did it that was the one thing i found i wasn't favorable with but when i connected the providence of the angels susan and my guides that i could see and but there were frustrations with it too when you're a nine-year-old kid, and you turn over and you look at the end of your bed, and as I called it at the time, when you holler at mom, what is it, honey? What is it? It's time to go to bed. You've got school. There's there's people at the end of my bed. There's see-through people mm-hmm. at the end of my bed. And she said, what? I said, there's people. Yep. They bother me. They're at the end of my bed, and they all want to talk to me. And she goes, yep. are you, like, scared there's a monster under the bed? I'm like, no, they're just people. There's, like, all <laughs> kinds of sizes of people, and they're, like, want to talk to me. They want to keep me up and talk to me. And and so when I talked to my mama, which is what we call her in Tennessee, my mother's mother, who was a Pisces, huh. extremely yeah. sighted, and I would be on that porch swing like you do in the mountains here, and I'm like, mama, why do those huh. see two people 
come at the end of my bed, and she goes, oh, just tell them to go on and leave you alone. If they want to talk to you, they can talk to you during the daytime. Okay, that solved it for me. That's what I did, and that's what happened. So huh. I learned that early, that choices equal consequences, and yep. that you have to learn to kind of – the energy's automatic, Susan, and you've got to kind of be able to learn to swim with it. It's very fluid. And yeah. if you don't, then you get in life, I think, a whole bunch of experiences of light, and then you get a whole bunch of experiences of scary clown dark – and you'll come to learn very quickly what's, although all are teachers, what seems to be more evil and demonic and what seems to be a temptation and what seems to be a lure and vampirism of your beautiful soul star. So I kind of walked the path kind of on automatic pilot for a while. And then, as yeah. you know, all of us, yeah. when you go through your teens, that's the age you tend to kind of hide it a little bit like, okay, I'll be seen as a really weirdo. So I'm not talking about astrology and I'm not talking about, because that was, you know, my mother had the books in the house. And and then one time at school, I was in Florida then, at school, all, you know, the little mean girls were all whispering in the hall. And I'm like, what's wrong? And they're like, that girl over there. And I'm like, oh, what's wrong with her? She looks fine to me. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, mean, I was that tomboy that, you, you know, you, I didn't start it, but boy, you didn't want to, I'd sure finish it. And I'm like, why are you being mean to that yep. girl? What's up? Yeah. And they're like, she's a witch. I said, what? And they said, she's a witch because there were jeans and she had like little tiny bells. And she said, we asked her why we asked her why she was wearing that little skinny belt with those little bells in it. And she said, well, that's what witches do. I said, oh, she herself called herself a witch. And they said, yeah. And I said, okay, well, get over yourself. I'll go talk to her. Because I, I, was, I, I was intrigued. I liked it. I'm born Halloween night. Are you kidding me? It's the first witch I'd met. <laughs> so I sat down in the desk and I looked at her and she looked at – she was a Pisces. Really big eyes, real slim girl and really big eyes. And I, the moment – she put her gaze on me. I knew that she was an old soul. I knew that she was fine and she was safe. And she was like, we'd known each other before. We didn't dialogue that. And so right. and I looked down at her desk and she was drawing a chart. She was drawing a horoscope. I said, oh, whose chart are you drawing? And she goes, do you know what that is? And I said, yeah, that's a horoscope. I said, are you doing a natal chart or today's chart? And she looked at me and she said, okay, we've known each other before. <laughs> and she goes, so tell me why you're here. And I said, well, I didn't like the fact that they were like doing the mean girl thing in the hall. And she goes, yeah, nobody wants to be friends with me because I don't hide the fact that I'm a witch and I like herbs and I love Mother Earth and all that. And I'm like, well, that all sounds fine to me. And she <laughs> said, so you're not afraid of hanging out with me? And I said, no, they'll be afraid of, they'll be afraid of trying to bother you if I'm, I'm with you. So, yeah, I don't, I don't feel anything evil around you, so we're good. And she wow. goes, well, thank you. Yeah, so it just, you know, it was, Susan, it would just happen. You know, it's like you get up. You go to school, you get up. Then I was very much a, a, a siren mermaid. You know, I was at the beach all the time, all the time, because I loved Mother right. Ocean then. It was, and then you find out later on in your life, fast forward, when you go to medicine ceremonial teachings and the beautiful medicine men that taught me and their language. Again, the beauty of that language that I'm so grateful for when they would say, well, you know, the salt waters of the Earth Mother. And I'm like, yeah, the salt waters are the embryonic effluvia of Mother Earth. And I'm like, say that again. Right. Yeah, and they're like, that's her womb water. So when you're drawn to the ocean, when you're drawn to the salt waters, you're resurrecting. It's new life, and you're, and you're being cleansed. And in some cultures, they call it baptized or born anew. And I'm like, oh, yeah, they say that in, in the Baptist church in Tennessee. Yeah, baptized. Yeah, baptized by water, baptized by fire. I get that one. I know that one. And they said, when you go to the mountains. I'm like, yeah. And they said, that's the breast of Mother Earth, and that's why people, when they go to the mountains, they're usually escaping the city because they get fed, because mm. it's the breast. It's, it's the mountain, the ancient you know, spirits of the mountain and their 
life milk, if you will, their life essence. And I'm just like, okay, th- this language is everything. I don't have any any debate or argument with any of this. So, And then my dad would talk about when he traveled, he loved India, and he traveled to India and China, and then it was called Burma. It's now called Mumbai. But I, would, okay. I was fascinated when we would talk about India, not so much about China, but I was fascinated by India, and I hadn't gotten into really doing cognizant past life work then, which I love. And he said, mm. and, and then he brought me home a book. There was like bookstores you would go into, and he brought me home a book, and it was the Indian Masters, and it was, you know, Baba G, and then he brought me home a book by Paramahansa Yogananda, and that I, that was my heart. And then I wanted the whole collection of Kali Yoga Braun, the Prophet, and all those works. And I just all through my teens, with astrology and, and tarot, my first deck was given to me from a surf shop that I just walked into. <laughs> I was just with my boyfriend and walked into one of the surf shops at Cocoa Beach. Of course, the bikini was purple. You know, you, you, don't, you don't know those things then that violet means something and all that. <laughs> and I looked no, at this. No, you don't. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I'm sure my boyfriend was buying like rolling papers or something, you know, and the, the, the over hippie, you know, behind the desk. I said, oh, tarot, just like that. And he said, what did you say? I had one huh. deck of cards, one deck of Rider Waite cards. And I said, tarot. And he said, have you ever owned one of those decks before? And I said, no. And he goes, you realize no one pronounces that right. It wasn't popular then, Susan. He said, they call it tarot. They don't know huh. not to pronounce the T. And I said, oh, they're lovely. They're so, I'm so drawn to those. Of course, the magician was on the, the – he picked up the deck – just like the witch in school, and he said, here, these are yours. And I'm like, well, how much are they? He said, no, no, these are yours. That deck has been here for five years. Nobody's ever noticed it. Nobody ever said anything. And you walk in my surf shop here on Cocoa Beach, and you say, oh, tarot. And you've never owned a deck? And I said, no, I still have that deck to this day. I don't ever read with it Uh, for people. Yeah, so it's my deck for me. So it just, it came, it would, these waves, you know, like the hands of, light and spirit and then there were there were times where when you go through different personalities of people and you meet the deceptors and you meet the jealous and the envious and those people you know those that want to covet what you have and you know beguile and bewitch in the dark ways and want to copy and yeah anybody even metaphysics or or spirituality goes through the those that are the i don't mean to insult wolves but the ones that are wolves in sheep's clothing as they say yes and then you learn that and I still say this to, to this day, the greatest thing I ever studied, whether it was my 30 years in astrology, the oracles and the tarot and numerology and all these things that you do in my past life training and hypnosis was discernment, the art hmm. of discernment. To be now, able for to those dis- that don't know exactly what discernment is, could you explain it to the audience? Well, for me, it, it first caught my, it piqued my attention when I was when it was said once biblically, I'm like, what? What is that? And they said the art to be able to test or discern or sense the genuineness or the or the authenticity of either spirit or a man or a creature. Now I had automatic, like automatic writing. I did. I had automatic discernment with wild animals, like the wow. black bear I'd come face to face with, the copperhead that was literally a nano inch from my big toe. Outside, huh. I would just immediately talk to the creature telepathically and say, I wish you no harm. Please don't bite me. Nobody's home. Just go, and I won't kill you. Just go. And, I mean, here's the copperhead raised up looking at me, you know, and I'm like, oh, please don't bite. I'll be in so much trouble. Please don't bite me. I wish you no harm. And it just, it, I mean, it took a second, but I had no doubt from my ancient lives or whatever, I had no doubt that that creature 
knew exactly my spirit, my intent, and my, and my genuine desire to respect its space. I had walked up on it, you know, so, and it wow. went away, you know, and the black huh. bear didn't attack me, and the coyotes didn't take me down, and, you know, right at 6.15 tonight, two red foxes were behind my wall at the house because I put out cooked noodles for them tonight. You know, I've fed skunks for years and raccoons, and I don't get sprayed and I don't get bit because I give back to my earth mother. Huh. And I've always loved animal totems. To me, I'm sure all the people in your audience right now are like, mm-hmm, when I say this. Oh, no, no, no. i got an awesome audience. I really do. And actually, no, what I, I mean I is a lot they're of people saying, on the board. Yeah. No, I believe people right now are going, oh, I heard that when I say, when I'm about to say this, I know they're going to be going, yup. I, it's so much easier to me to get along with animals, even in the wild, than it is most people, because animals don't have all the mask on, you know, they don't have all the yep. pretentious, you know, and, yep. and that was probably a struggle in my 20s, when I realized that I could see right into someone's soul, Yeah. not that I would always talk about it or reveal it, because my guides would be saying, this is the soul star of this person, so even if they act like an ass, or even if they you know, act like they're real, they don't like people or whatever. They're really hurting inside. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I would just be quiet around that person. Now, if they went to bully me, that's when I said, no, you need to pump your brakes and back your truck up, not this chick. <laughs> I like that thing. <laughs> I love yeah, that I said, thing. I will take you down. I said, I, said I don't get bullied. And I have a real simple philosophy, Susan. It's like, I don't start it, but I'll stop it. I'll finish it. Huh. You know, I don't, I don't, it's true. I mean, it's true whether it's Wicca or it's native, native first nations people, or you're a good Catholic or, right. you know, you know, you have to, for me, discernment is like your aura is getting cleansed perpetually. If you're walking your talk, you know, you can't just talk it like in recovery programs or in AA, you know, exactly. it's like, don't talk the talk. You got to walk it and spirit yeah. will test you. So the yeah. discernment swing is a boomerang. You know, the discernment is it's it's a it's a skill that you develop about okay, so like Susan's walking down the road and she goes into I want to stop in that store and she goes into that boutique or that store and first her intuition antenna goes, Pay attention to something in here. And so Susan listens because she likes spirit and she knows it's a great invisible teacher because it engages both her mind and her emotions and her soul. And so she's kinda of looking around the store going, Okay, I'm waiting for the little ding 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 and then there's like an odd feeling that you get about a person that you've never met and you never know. And it might be a guy that smiles at you. It might be an odd feeling that you feel about a seemingly woman with a young child. And then you discern it by saying, does that feel like it's a flowing, easy, warm, friendly, safe feeling, or does it feel creepy? Mm. Like I need to like really look at this a little closer. So discernment is, is, is in tandem with intuition, you know, your telepathy and your intuition. It's the discernment part of it that maybe I'll say it another way. Discernment is when you take the deeper read on it. Right. Maybe that's a better way to do it. Like you feel a spirit or you're doing yeah, some like kind of ghost the, hunting. Yeah. Like empathic. Like yeah, somebody who's right. But different than just being an empath. When you're a natural empath, I went through that one too. When you're a natural empath, you're like a psychic sponge. You're feeling it, seeing it, and taking it all in. Discernment right. helps you not get the vampirical blows. Mm. Like they mm. can't get into my aura. They can't, you know, the tentacle can't get in and start draining my energy because discernment goes, uh, you can only help somebody so far. They have to do the work. The true healer 
is always in a process of continuing their own healing. The true astrologer, the true mystic, the true, you know, right. uh, guiding people on self-hypnosis, healing journeys, helping them to unlock their psychic knots or their emotional uh, uh, things that have you get un, get it, to get unstuck to help someone, they've got to do the work. And let me tell you, after 35 years, there's a whole bunch of clients out there that when they pay you, they want you to do the work for them. Ain't happening with this kid. Yeah. It's like yeah. lead the horse to water, but you got to take the drink. You know you're thirsty. I'm not putting the water in your mouth. I'm going to point the way and clear some of your trauma, and I'm going to help you see that that's not going to haunt you for the rest of your life. When mm-hmm. you discern and you choose that you're tired of carrying that packed luggage of what wounded you. You're tired of the wounds trying to go ahead of you and infect your future. Exactly. So, you know, you or I might point that out to them, honey. This is an energy effect yep. that's infecting your potentiality because exactly. it happened at five. You know, you went through that traumatic relationship. You got addicted to this. You did that. But that's not the full definition of you. That was a sidebar journey. Bingo. Bingo. Yeah. Because can't what if if people are um, if people are the type that um, continually have what I like to call the victim mentality, it creates like negativity around them, around the aura, around their energy field. I think what happens after a while, it's like negativity to me kind of beats negativity. Yes. Well, right. when you when you it's a choice. You know, there was a book written about 15 years ago, maybe by James Redfield called. The, the ninth insight, and he mm-hmm. teaches you that there's there's the in- interrogator, there's the intimidator, there's the poor me, and there's the aloof. So when someone chooses the poor me, a.k.a. victim, all the mm-hmm. time, that slips them into being an energy vampire. I need your attention, so let me tell you another another sad story. Feel sorry for me because I need an energy drink of your aura. I don't want to do it mm. myself. I don't want to fix myself. I want to drink you. And they, and they literally wear, as we say in the mountains here, they literally wear the last hair off the goat's butt. Last. And it's just like, you know, it's just like, are you kidding me? You know, and they'll call you. They'll be in like this really destructive relationship, right? Or their mother's always rejecting him or the guy's always yep. beating him or whatever it is. And it's just like, okay, you've been telling this same story for the last three years. What do you want to do about it? Instead of poor me, oh, woe is me, he's so mean to me, she always rejects you, I was abandoned by my mother, my dad beat me. It's just like, that was then, why do you continue to have it now? It's become a habit. And, and for a lot of people, especially in our childhood storybook, every single one of us has a little fable or fairy tale storybook of our childhood. Exactly. exactly. Because we're little innocent lambs that come in. We're little innocent lambs. And so there's right. people that had it pretty easy. Most of the people I meet had like a big tsunami type of experiences or few that happened, and others had incredible trauma. And so oh. because you're, subcon- you're living literally as a living recorder because you're not from here, you come here, you slip on skin, your spirit right. slips on skin to walk this world for a while. So according to yep. psychiatric study, from birth to seven years old, you're recording everything. That happens yeah. in your childhood environment. Huh. So when you go to that therapist or you seek to get out of alcohol or prescription addiction or sex addiction or porn addiction, that's a big one right now, or wow. you, know, you, either, you either become 
the puppet that still has strings attached to him or her, and you just change manipulators. You just change, you know, you change uh, humans. You change whoever it is that's manipulating you, but the but the storyline is the same. Oh. I was innocent. I was abused. I was not treated fair, and so that becomes a very familiar landscape. And yeah. So we tend to perpetuate and repeat it. So back to your point, if someone is constantly doing the victim status, mm-hmm. then you know there comes that point where the right that you know we all plant seeds of light. You know, if if just because a client didn't get better with that psychic or that therapist or that psychiatrist or right. whatever, and they and they still hold on to their habit. Their, their habit before they ever met Susan or Mary or anybody else, that was their comfort zone. That's their little pillow. Right. You know, it's not that Susan failed or I failed or anybody else. We, you learn real quick in metaphysical work and mystical work, you cannot be attached to the outcome. No, you, you can't. You just lay down the seeds of light. You show right. up authentic. You show yep. up authentic. And then yep. you disengage. That's part of discernment skills. You disengage when you know that they're right back into the same hamster wheel. Yep. They're just wanting Susan or Mary or anybody else out there to keep listening to their same woe is me tale. And I'm yep. liable to say something. Being a Scorpio, I'm liable to say something like, should I call you a wambulance? Would <laughs> you like a little tease with that wine? Oh, my God. Father used to do that me violin. I said, what are you doing? I said, yeah, that's a little violin, idiot. <laughs> oh, yeah, the pity party, the mini yeah. violin with the violin. That's, that's my father. Dad, that was a good one. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a good one. And it's not that we're being mean. It's just you have to no. interrupt the pattern, you know. And some people, because they had shocking things happen to them, you understand that yeah. that's what oh, yeah. kind of gave them their alert button, you know, like it was shocking and it was violent. So unfortunately, in their subconscious recording in their childhood storybook, unless it shocks them, they don't seem to pay attention to it. It's like they, their heart wants to, you know, their heart chakra wants to. Their their mind sees the logic of it, but the little kid in there, and I go right in. You got to help that little kid. You got to get that little kid to say, okay, yep. in fairy tales and in fables, there's monsters. You know, like princesses yeah. get put to sleep and witches yep. cast spells that are negative, and stepsisters yep. can be mean to you. But you know what? Cinderella had a fairy godmother. Had a fairy godmother show up, and you know, and when you look at Lion Witch in the Wardrobe, Ashland the the lion was the totem that was the shamanic teacher, and in the Wizard of Oz, no, how come the green faced witch, the wicked witch of the West, how come she didn't smoke Glenda? She didn't. Glenda came around in her little big old big old poofy pink gown in her pink bubble, and when the witch was throwing fire at the the scarecrow said, How about a little fire scarecrow? And Dorothy screaming and they're all like, Oh my God, where did she come from? You know, and Glenda shows up all peaceful like she smoked and she's had a glass of wine or whatever and she floats in in her bubble and then she goes be gone, for you have no power here. Well, that green-faced witch don't throw no fire at Glenda. She just goes away because Glenda, the good witch, was authentic in her authority. She was content within herself, and she commanded that what was right and what was real would shatter any traumatic, shocking illusion at the moment that was happening. The green-faced witch in The Wizard of Oz was wanting to traumatize everybody that was just innocently trying to get to Oz and get on the yellow brick road, and they were so happy. that And Dorothy's attracting her totems. She attracts somebody that needs, thinks they need a mind and a brain. She attracts somebody that thinks they need a heart. She attracts somebody that thinks they need courage. And then she's got her dog, Totem Little Toto, just popping around with her. 
So, and what's the main thing of that movie? She keeps saying, there's no place like home. There's no place like home. But there's a tornado that came into her very familiar life that lifted her in a whole nother realm. She, she got thrown into a whole nother matrix. And the same thing with Alice in Wonderland. She goes down the rabbit hole. The same thing with, with the Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. If you, if you watch the Aragon Dragon movies, How to Train a Dragon, and Aragon's the Dragon Totem in that. So you, these, these seemingly sci-fi and fantasy and fable movies will wake you up to, as you watch that, just like um, Malficent, you know, Malfeasant or Malficent, however you say that, when it's, it's my favorite movie that uh, was a modern day type of a fairy tale that Angelina Jolie, you know, first she was all happy and she's good with the children and then she falls in love and she mates with the guy that she falls in love with and he beguiles and bewitches her and has evil intent and steals her wings. So he takes her wings and she's surly and she's angry and she's dark and she doesn't, she's wounded. She's traumatized. She doesn't believe in anything anymore because even though she was a young woman, she got traumatized. He was the first male that she coupled with. She trusted him. He, she felt he was her soulmate. So then the whole thing is she's got to go back to get those wings. And one of my favorite scenes in that movie is when the little girl, even though Angelina Jolie's character is all mean and everything, and she keeps trying to run that little girl off, you know. <laughs> and the little girl is just like, it's okay. She, yeah, I, I know you're in a bad mood. It's okay. But then she gets to the castle. And my favorite scene is when those wings, he's put them in a shadow box like prison. It's see-through. But the wings see Angelina Jolie, and they're alive, and they start shaking, and they start shaking. But like Superman's kryptonite or Batman can't figure out why he can't go up against the Joker, what seems to be he can attack everything else, but why can't he kill the Joker? Because when Batman was a child, when Robert Bruce was a child, or Robert Wayne, whatever his name was, there's that scene in the first Batman movie that the Joker, the villain, the devil, the demon, runs up and kills his parents. And he's like this little eight, nine-year-old kid, like, oh, my God, you know. And then the, the, he does, he kills the parents, tries to rob them and kills them in front of the little boy. Then he runs up to him and he says, what, did you ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? He infected him right then. <clears throat> Rewatch that first Batman movie where Michael Keaton plays Batman. Okay, so the butler's trying to help. You know, the the man of Batman figure out why he can't seem to conquer. And then all of a sudden he has an epiphany. All of a sudden he has a flashback, and it comes from his subconscious up to his conscious mind. And he, all of a sudden, like he wakes up in a dream, like a lucid dream. It's like, did you ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? And it's like a full moon. And all of a sudden, Bruce Wayne, a.k.a. Batman, realizes that villain that he can't seem to take down had a hook into him energetically, psychically. He frightened him so bad to his soul core when he watched that villain kill his parents when he was eight or nine years old, and then Michael Keaton as Batman takes him down. You know, once you realize the seeds, the seeds of why that person, that scenario, that habit, that wound, you know, keeps pestering you, it's ultimately, Susan, it's trying to be our teacher. It's wanting us to get unstuck. And I'll tell you something else that most psychics don't talk about. And I found to be very real, and I'll just speak for myself in my life. When you're getting different levels of light consciousness and you're awakening 
more and more and more and shedding those skins like a bird molts its feathers or the snake sheds its skin, when you're beginning to be more awakened and aware and once again more familiar with your spirit world life rather than just your materialistic earth life, darkness smells it. And it's like, oh, crap. They're waking up. They're getting more powerful. They're coming back to their true essence. We got to go throw them some problems. We got to go in and try to derail that job they want or that relationship they've got. We got to go throw them something that'll cause them to go, I don't know what I believe in anymore. And so, did you ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight comes along to test us again. But no matter what, and I tell this to my clients all the time look, enjoy your body, enjoy this earth. Enjoy your breath, enjoy your animals, enjoy feeling what it is you're supposed to feel here, but make no mistake about it, we came on mission. We came here to learn. We came here to re-remember how powerful we really are. And no matter what chaos is going on out there, we have to make a choice every day that we choose the light and that we are empowered by the light. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that there aren't people that choose to be empowered by the dark. It's real. They make the choice and they succumb. But as you keep choosing the best of, the almighty I am, the light of the all that is, you know, and you summon your archangels and learn a little more about that and whatever and however you connect to the creator, however you bless and honor seven generations back of your ancestors and your elders, However you walk this world as a real, authentic source of power, people know it, people feel it, they respect it, they'll either avoid you or they'll want to know you. Boom. That's just, you know, it's like, you know, I, and I did stupid things sometimes too to test it, talking about your discernment. I mean, I was in a, I was in the West Coast of Florida and a bunch of us met for happy hour you know, and it's a place that had food and happy, and it's all like she she next to a yacht club, blah blah blah. And we're all dressed up in our fashion best because we're in our twenties and we want to look good and we want to kick it with somebody we think's attractive. Yeah, yeah. And I noticed, and it was really good conversation because a bunch of people were into psychology and metaphysics, so that was fun. So I look, and it was happy hour. It wasn't late. And I look across the bar, and there's this guy in this upper scale place, and he's just having a full on conversation with something around him and I'm watching this discernment, my intuition, it caught my attention and I'm thinking, I got immediately, that guy's got a demon. And I'm fascinated. I'm, I'm way across the room, Susan, way across the room. And my friend was like, what are you looking at? I said, I oh, never mind, go ahead, finish your conversation. And they said, Oh, you getting a vibe on something? Yeah, that's it. So I'm like fascinated by this. And so I think, you know, I think I'm so interestingly powerful at that time. So I tell my guides I feel it. I'm thinking this. I'm feeling this. I'm intuiting this. And I said, I see a demon around that guy. And, and my guides are like, oh, really? I said, I have really sarcastic guides. I just tell it to you like it is. And I'm like, yeah, I think that guy's not, he's, he's not just drunk. There's something pestering his spirit. I can see it. I can look right in that window. And there's some kind of spirit that's aggravating him. And like the guy would, he would think he had Tourette's or something like that. But it wasn't that. And he wasn't a street person that people would make fun of. He was in a three-piece suit. I'm like, that guy's got a demon pestering him. So Miss Big Britches here decides, well, I'm way across the room. I'm going to send light, and I'm going to cast that demon away from that guy. Oh, yeah, I think I'm all, you know, I'm Glinda the Good Witch all of a sudden, right? So, you know, a little puffed up there. So I start sending energy that that demon needs to leave him alone. I'm still across the room now. I don't get up and talk to him or not. I'm just 
experimenting with it, and I'm sending light waves and all these like laser lights and all this, and by the power of all that is Christ. And all of a sudden, this face around that guy turned toward me, and I saw it as clear as if I was looking out at the sunset, and it said, I'm with him, leave it alone, or I'll go home with you. And I'm like, holy crap. And I sat back in my seat, and of course the whole table you could hear a pin drop. And I'm like, wow, I just, I just got a real big metaphysical lesson. Don't tell me it can't happen in public when you're among friends. And I said, and I get it. You know, that guy didn't ask me to help him. That guy wasn't coming over to meet me. I was, I was playing to see if I was, you know, am I right or not? And then I took it to kind of an ego place of like, well, I'll just cast that demon out of you. And what I was told was absolutely the truth. And I said, okay. And that guy, and right after that, I kid you not, that guy got up and left. So the demon wanted him out of there. So I tell people all the time, before you go ghost hunting, before you trip on in that graveyard, before you're going to get that Ouija board out, those things in and of themselves, I'm not going to tell you, are wrong, or, but you need to know your own full base of empowerment. You need to understand. Don't go in there willy-nilly and just play. Because you can. You can. But you're going to get shown some things at some point. You're going to get shown, sure you want to do this? Let me show you what can happen. And there can be some, as I've had, fantastic UFO sightings. Or there's the people that have talked to me over the years that had horrific uh, abduction situations, you know. So you have to set your intention and be very clear about how you're going to put one foot forward. What's your base? Is it to get attention? Is it your ego? Do you want to be the best psychic? Do you want to be the best tarot reader? Do you, you, know, do you need to have applause and accolades? Or do you just want to walk through this world genuine? Help who comes towards you, who's drawn to you. Do it the right way the first time. And if you're not their teacher, it's okay. It's okay, but lay down light seeds every time. Lay down light seeds and watch for those vignettes. Watch for those powerful moments where the, the guardians of light are asking you to step in or not. Or not. And see, that was another hard one with me. I mean, if I'm, there's no way I'm going to walk the other way or or move away from it if I ever come upon somebody abusing an old person, a child, or an animal. I'm not the person that walks away. So I would say to my creator guides and my God, I would say, don't put that crap in front of me because I'm not walking away. If you don't want me to get involved, then don't put that in front of me. You know, I mean, I just can go cray-cray real quick on stuff like that. So guess what the demons would know? Ooh, let's put somebody in front of Mary that's abusing a dog. We can get her energy then. So you've got to look at it from both standpoints. That's discernment. You know, I ask my angelic source to protect me and don't put that in front of me unless I'm the one to engage and get involved and rescue the dog or the cat or the kid, whatever. But I have to also be aware. I also have to understand the discernment as the dark force learns that about me, not to get lured by an illusionary trap psychically. So I took exorcism classes, and I did two or three exorcisms, and it's just like, okay. One of them was a cripple girl, you know, and, and the mother asked me. She just walked up to me one day and said, you know, are you a psychic? And I'm like, mm, well, I don't really like labels, and, but, yeah, I see things. I'm a visionary. Let's put it that way. I see things. And she's like, I need someone to help my daughter. And I'm like, okay, I'm just in a beauty supply shop wanting to buy some fake hair. And now this came to me. And she said, my, my, da- my daughter's in a wheelchair, and this has been going on with her for the last year, and I know some kind of dark thing. And of course, this great 
great-looking black woman that ran this this beauty supply place in North Carolina. Her eyes are as big as saucers. She's like, okay, I just run this shop, and I'm selling some fake hair here and some makeup. And I got. This. She's just looking at me like, where the hell? Did, what bus did you come in on? You know, I'm just like, it's okay, it's okay. Really, it's no big deal. I'm just a mountain girl, kind of a mountain mystic. It's no big deal. It's, it's really not a big deal. And she's like, you can cast out devils. I said, no, I didn't say that. I'm just saying that if if fate has put this woman in front of me, I don't think I'm going to be able to turn this down. I think I need to help this woman, and her daughter's in a wheelchair. And the woman's like, please come back and tell me the end of this story. This is like, I'm writing a book in my head. So I took another person with me that was uh, studying Reiki at the time. And I looked at her, she's a college student. I looked at her and I said, okay, no matter what you hear, no matter what, she said, okay, you're scaring me. You're getting into that zone you get into where you get like that Halloween Indian thing that you, I said, listen to me. I said, you're just my battery. You're just going to be a backup battery. That's all you're to do. And I know you're strong in Reiki, and that's what I want you to do. And she's like, okay. I said, you, you're an Aquarian. You cannot lose your focus. All you're doing is just supplying light to the back of my chakras. Do you understand? She goes, okay. So that was an interesting afternoon. And that, and, you know, as I walked in the house, I didn't know, I'd never been there. And I was walking this big old house up in the mountain. And I'm like, okay, right here, the temperature changes. You know, and it, it really was like a scene out of a movie. I <laughs> I didn't know what was going to happen, Susan. It was a first-time experience. I mean, it just. But I knew it was fate. That was the discernment. I knew I was going to go help that woman. I knew I was going to go help that girl. And after I was there for the afternoon, after Spirit made itself known through me that afternoon, it wasn't Mary, but as Mary got Mary's ego and Mary out of the way and answered a call from a very distraught older woman in her 70s she said i'm so afraid I, I could like die and my daughter could be like i can't die first and not know that my daughter's going to have this darkness around her it's horrible like things pester her in the night and i'm like okay so after that she just said i'm eternally grateful i said no 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 this isn't a money thing this is this was something that was was to be good credit in my karmic bank account and i said so i thank you for that and and she said I don't take this wrong, but I know I don't need you because you solved the problem. And I said, and that's when there's a good case. I said, we were supposed to meet this lifetime for this. And I think we both cleaned up some great karma. You were probably wonderful to me in another lifetime. And we're going to help this, you know, uh, daughter of yours that's bound to a wheelchair. I can understand why a negative spirit would try to attack that. And I said, and we, we did it. We got it. It was your love. And my assistant and I and, and the great forces of spirit, we got all of us got our ego out of the way, and we were on the same page of just wanting to help your child, who was the innocent, what was it, lamb. So to me, what's fascinating about being a visionary or a seer or a mystic is that whether it's a wild animal or it's a snake or it's, you know, you're just doing your day and driving to take the garbage and your whole day gets changed by some other type of thing that goes on, to me, that's the grand adventure of walking through this world. I mean, I don't get up every day and see everything that's going to happen and everybody I'm going to meet. But when you're listening to your intuitive antenna and you fine-tune that, that is your soul satellite dish, then it will not only download you, it will not only upgrade your programming, but it will alert you when a storm's on its way. You just can't ignore that because you got busy. Well, I got to go to to the bank, or I got to do. No, when when the when the energy comes through, pay attention right now. That'll keep you out of that four car accident. That'll keep you out of, you know, when you get delayed and we're getting all angry because we can't find our keys and we're going to be late. 
and then you realize that you storm out the door, and you're in your human self and all that, and then literally when you're going out of your neighborhood, there's a huge crash, and there's a helicopter landing, and somebody's going off to the hospital. Then you look there going, there but for the grace of God go I. And I take that further saying, I also happened on this. I might have I might have been spared, so I'm going to take some moments and really bless the first responders, the doctors, the outcome of this. I'm going to take those moments, not just drive on like, okay, it wasn't me. That's ego again. If it's put in front of you as a lesson or a challenge or an opportunity or an assignment, don't ignore it. Don't ignore it because your prosperity and your blessings literally come out of the blue. You know, as above, so below, in earth as it is in the heavenly. I firmly believe that. That's really like my motto. So that to me is discernment. You, it, it can seem like the most innocuous, mundane, off-the-cuff type of thing with someone, you know. And, and there's times where all of a sudden you've got to come into your fury. Like there literally could be an assailant or there literally could be someone coming towards you that means you no good. I've had that happen in grocery store parking lots. You know, all of a sudden, a seemingly innocent-looking old man with a cane is coming diagonally across the parking lot with myself and my friend. And I, <laughs> it shocked my friend because I'm like, get your purse in the car. Get your purse in the car. Don't distract me. What? I said, don't distract me. Whatever you see or hear, don't distract me. I'm going into full, full attention right now. So here comes this, my discernment told me, really negative energy coming toward me in the costume of a little helpless limping old man okay and comes to me hey, isn't this a lovely isn't this a lovely afternoon ladies i said you need to stop right where you are right now and i just turned my metal grocery cart around ignored me kept coming toward me i said what about i told you to stop did you not hear and he looks up and i said i said stop either you want this buggy or i'll throw this buggy into you i'm about to throw the buggy into you and you're going to wear it and he stops and he goes, well, I was just going to ask you ladies if you could spare you know, a little old man some money. I said, you need to turn around and get away from me. I said, why didn't you ask those big old mountain men over there but you just walked past for some money? Why didn't you do that, huh? How come you're going diagonally across this parking lot over here to my car? I said, well, homie, don't play that, so back up or you're going to wear the buggy. And he turned around and he went. That's exactly what he was going to do, and he wanted to get close to us with that cane. Of course, my, my friend is looking at me like, holy moly, what just happened here? And I'm like, yeah, it's over. So it can come out of the blue. It can take your breath away. Somebody can help someone have a birth that they didn't expect. Someone can save the dog out of the road. Someone can guide the child back to safety. But it, it's, it's, not, it, it's not the details in the moment. It's the fact that you stay on course with your intuition. Does that make sense?
Hello? I heard unmuted. 
Can you hear me? See if your audience can hear you. Hello. I can't hear you. 